It is Tuesday, God Story Day this morning, June the 18th, and uh, just wanted to thank everybody for tuning in today and, and all the support you give us and the love that you give us and some of the insight you've given us. Uh, also, you know, I was thinking this morning, uh, I would encourage you, if you guys have things on your heart uh, that you'd like to see taught or questions that you'd have or things that you would like to see explained or uh, talked about, uh, uh, things that happen in your life uh, that you really have questions about, uh, I encourage you to, to write in uh, on our website and uh, let us go through them because uh, I think it'd be uh, pretty important to uh, just start maybe helping those that, that are having questions out there about their lives, uh, about the God, about the, how the Spirit's moving in their life, how you're hearing. Uh, we, I had a lot of that. Uh, we had even talks, it reminded me, I had talks even while I was uh, down in Bahamas about the Lord, and it was, uh, it was incredible. When people ask questions, you know, God will answer. He says, if you ask, you shall receive. And most of the time we don't ask. We forget to ask. Uh, we think we've got to kick into a lot of prayer and, and try to press in on the understanding and stuff. And we get all revved up about trying to understand. And the simple thing he said was, all you got to do is ask. And uh, most of the time we, we don't think that that will actually work because we're so geared and so trained that it's got to be more than just asking. It's got to be harder. It's got to be uh, something I've got to do that's hard or press into, you know, uh, the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And, and that's quoted completely out of uh, scripture uh, on, on some issues, but just take your pressure off yourself to try to figure out, uh, trying to figure out the mysteries of God by trying to press in all you got to do is just sit and just ask simply. Uh, you can look at his disciples. They would ask him a question and he would answer. That's it. And a lot of people, you know, we think that we or we assume that God is not with us. We have to go into God or we have to press in to find him. And uh, most, of, most of that stuff where we're trying to press in to find him, it's us getting rid of our stuff so that we can be aware of it. And uh, if you can, we can start actually just believing in scripture. If they ask Jesus a question and Jesus would answer it, it's as simple as that. And if you don't think that God is close, uh, you're either being attacked by that old uh, sin nature of fear, because fear always makes you think that God is not close or that he's not around. Fear will also make you forget that God is even there. Uh, and you forget that God is inside of you. So just ask, ask and you shall receive. And some of you, you know, you'll get out there after this is over, you may say, Lord, can you, can you say, can you say something about this? Can you explain this? Instead of just saying it that way, ask him a literal question. Just try it. Lord, why does the scripture say this? Or what were you doing during this time? Try not to ask too much about your own life because you're trying to get God's interpretation the way that you want it or the way that you think because you're already thinking about how your life is going. But in God's mind, it's going a completely different way in the way he's orchestrating it. 
You know, man makes his plans and God orders his paths. And uh, that's so true. So just drop all the religious stuff, you know, and the things that keep you away from the awareness of God. And, uh, and you'll be surprised uh, how much you'll hear the Lord. All right. We're going to talk about uh, this whole thing of the nature of the spirit again. We've been on this thing, I think, almost a year and uh, it just keeps growing, you know. Uh, I, I love how the Lord manifested himself in this fleshly form. Uh, I, I wanna read this because we always gotta remind ourselves that God made himself of no reputation and came in the form of man. And I, that still just is mind boggling that God would humble himself and come in a form to where we can actually understand how God has made us by looking at him, uh, how the spirit actually moves and has his being on his own and how the spirit of God can, can have his uh, movements and have his being in man. And when you see Jesus, you don't just see Jesus, you see the spirit of, uh, spirit of God. That's why they said, you know, at, toward the end of his life, you know, they're, they're jockeying back and forth and they, and they said, you know, Jesus, uh, it is sufficient for us. It, can you please show us the father? And he says, have I not been with you so long that you can't see me? Think about that. The spirit of God was speaking through this earthen vessel, speaking out of a man and looking at them because he had been with them so long, but their minds, their their eyes were so still in that place of the flesh and they didn't realize that the spirit of God had humbled himself, came as flesh and appeared to all men. And even after they had followed him all of those time, they were still thinking, man, okay, now it's time. It is su sufficient for us now. Show us the father and the father, the spirit of God that has adopted you and I through Jesus Christ uh, said to them, uh, have I not been with you so long that you can't see me? And I, I think that's true today. Uh, if you look at the parallels of the prophetic, the prophetic parallels of Jesus's life and his disciples life, they had been with him for a good while and they still assumed that there's more. <laughs> I, I won't even get into that, but how many times does that push get on us as well when it's been right in front of our face this whole time? How many times have you gone in life looking for something? It may not even be the Lord, you know, maybe something, you know, here and you, it dawns on you, you've had it all along. Uh, it happens quite a bit because the enemy doesn't want us to have what God has actually placed before us. And God had actually placed himself uh, in front of man for three and a half years. And even through all the, all the miracle signs and wonders, the way they followed him, they still had this one religious mindset, man, there's got to be more. Hey, show us the father. And he says, have I not been with you so long that you can't see me? And he was standing right there. And so, and a lot of times the spirit of God still still to this day, humbles himself 
to appear in the man in a fleshly form as like with me, like with you, like with people that are in your lives that are godly. And uh, if we don't if we don't apprehend him while he can be found, then we will miss our visitation. And most of the time, the Spirit of God or God Himself, He still will hide Himself in the earth and vessels. And if you don't catch Him when He passes by, you miss it. And uh, thank God that you can see with the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ, and we see that as man, he humbled himself even more to speak through Jesus to say, hey, have I not been with you so long you can't see me? In other words, I'm going to have to actually wake you up that I have been here with you the whole time. And everybody knows that familiarity can breed indifference. And that happens quite a lot with us. Have you ever been with somebody or listened to somebody's messages or a leader that you respect and, and man, you just think it's awesome, it's great, but you don't, you forget that it was, it's the Spirit of God that has humbled himself again and he's come in a, in a form of fleshly man and he is appearing to you and the only thing you can see is all these wonderful teachings, but there's something deeper in there. The Spirit of God led those men through miracle signs and wonders and, and major experiences of love in the midst of where you could hate. And during that whole time, the Spirit of God was not trying to show them how to do signs and wonders, even though that's part of it. It wasn't trying to show them uh, other things that we've been taught about God. It was trying to actually reveal himself in the minds of man who God really is and they still couldn't see him. So God still humbles himself in, in, uh, in that scripture and says, I, have I not been with you so long you can't see me? My God, how, how long have we been, you know, looking at Jesus and we've heard millions of probably teachings and we forget that, and if it was really anointed, we forget that the spirit of God that was in that person that was teaching us, if we could catch that, instead of just the information. The information is almost like breadcrumbs trying to lead you to actually apprehend the Father or the Spirit of God. And when you catch him in an earthen vessel, there, there's where you get your major treasure. I hope that makes sense. So catch Jesus. Catch the Spirit of God when he appears in an earthen form. Uh, you'll be surprised. Okay, so let's read this. It says in Philippians, uh, verse, Philippians 2, uh, starting verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Of course he can. He can he, that would be robbery to make himself equal, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of men. And he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Isn't that amazing? Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow uh, to those in heaven and to those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus, 
uh, Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he humbled himself, made himself of no reputation, so that he, and the, because his, his mind, Jesus' mind, was not about creating a ministry. His mind was in the Spirit. His heart was to love his Father even unto death, which caused us to love, which caused him to love us unto death. Because Father, the Father or the Spirit of God is love. Does that make sense? I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up here, which is, uh, it's, it's amazing how uh, a lot of this is entwined uh, with what uh, John has said. And I'm going to pull this up. So basically, Jesus allowed himself, he would humble himself even unto death to the Spirit, which caused his life to disappear and his life to appear in his father. Him and his father became one by him humbling himself even while he walked on the earth to be one with the spirits. Can you imagine if we humbled ourselves or we died daily to where we were guided by the spirit each day in our life instead of guided by the spirit of this world and then be guided by the spirit whenever we feel like it. Man, it, things would uh, change in a big way. Pull this up for us. <clears throat> yeah, I love this one. Verse eight, or verse nine. In this love, John, First John, uh, uh, chapter four, verse nine. Or let's see, I'll start in verse eight. Well, let's go to seven. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So basically, you can see that the, it says he was tempted on all points. Jesus was tempted on all points. He was tempted to do everything else other than love. And how many of us do the same thing? We're tempted to do all this other stuff thinking that, well, this is part of love too, but it's not. For God is love. So what he would do, uh, there's, there's several times where I've, I've wanted to do my own thing, okay? There's, there's several times where I've, I thought what I was doing was right. And, I, and when I thought what I was doing was right, only confirmed that I didn't ask the Father what he was doing. But I assumed that I, what I was doing was right because that's just the way I've been taught. But can you imagine if I would stop, uh, you know, if I would die to thinking what I was doing was right, to asking God what he's doing, can you imagine the oneness that would happen with my will and his will? Because he could do nothing uh, unless what he saw the Spirit was doing. And it even says that uh, when he sent the Spirit of truth, he would guide them on all truth, and he would not even speak on his own authority. So the Spirit of God himself doesn't speak on his own authority. And you look at Jesus, he says basically the same thing. I can do nothing unless what I see the Father do. I do. So he was basically, you can see that he was the Spirit of God in the flesh, 
and he would not do nothing unless he heard his father say it or he saw in the in the spirit what his father was doing and he would in other words he became this one with the spirit of god and man again at the end of his life became the reflection of god on the earth as he is in heaven and that's where he's trying to get us to where we become the reflection of God on the earth as it is in heaven. Are you with me? He gave the earth to man, but man was of God. Now God, man has been twisted by sin and by, you know, programmable thinking through this world. And now it's gotten us into this place to where we're, we've been lost. We see a lot of Christians even lost out there thinking that they're doing the right thing without asking the father or being led by him. And those that are being, those that are led by the spirit are the, you know, the sons of God. Romans eight talks about it. So getting into that, I want to talk about this whole thing uh, about the spirit of God, because the more we start learning about the spirit and how Jesus moved and had his being, we will start learning how the spirit has, has moves and has his being in us. It's amazing. If I gave you steps on this stuff without giving you the person, we would be lost. You have to give the major step first. The first step into the kingdom of God is Jesus and his life. And it's basically the only step. Because once you start finding the person, then you find all of the steps that enter into the kingdom. Because every step is about Jesus. All right? Now last year, uh, last week, we talked about uh, the Spirit of God restored man from dust to a life-giving being, if you guys remember that. And we went all the way back you know, to Genesis 1, where his, the Spirit of God was his nature to create life and light from the beginning. So that in the beginning, he was a creator, and it's never changed. He's not like us. He gives life and light. From the beginning, he goes into uh, uh, from light to life and creating the earth and creating the stars, creating out of darkness light and the light separated the darkness and he called it evening and morning, right? All right. And then the, that next move, you can see that he goes from there after he creates life and light, he creates life and light, then he goes and takes uh, man from the dust into a life-giving being. And that's what he's done with us, isn't it? And a lot of you guys are, certainly have testimonies to where when you gave your heart to the, to the Lord, it's like you woke up to a whole new world. Things started changing. Uh, things that you, were, uh, that you were in looked completely different. It's because you, he translated you from darkness to light. In other words, he, he took your life that was dust. He breathed into you the life of Jesus, the spirit of God, and every, you, you awaken to a whole new world. You awaken to God's world, to God's garden. You thought you were in hell at one point because your mind was fallen and you were, we were walking in sin. But when God comes, he refreshes you, changes, changes you, transforms you, 
and then you awaken to a whole new garden, a whole new life. And that's the way the Spirit of God does it. He does that with, with everybody. When God comes, he will always give you life and light. He will always breathe into you life. Think about that. If you're hearing another spirit that's not breathing life in you, then you need to throw it away. Whether it be your personal life, if you're not hearing this, the breath or ruah of God speaking into your life that is giving you life, then you need to bind that thing and just throw it away. Because God can't help but get life, give life. But when God gives life, you got to understand, it binds darkness. It binds the enemy. Are you with me? It binds the enemy. So anytime we give life to one another or to mankind, just as he did in the beginning, it wakes him up, binds the enemy, puts the darkness in its place, and gives man a new opportunity to walk in the garden of God or walk in the kingdom of God. It's huge. And that's what you, you see the Spirit doing that in, in Genesis 2. The Spirit says, uh, I wrote down here, the Spirit restored man from dust to a life-giving being. And let's, let's read that, Genesis 2. And it says, verse 7, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground. He formed man of the dust of the ground. So man was already formed. He, started, he formed him from the dust of the ground. And then he breathed into his nostrils right here, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Say that with me. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. In other words, the very thing that, that kept him breathing the real life of God was the Spirit of God. So when he breathed into him, he became the nature of the Lord on the earth as he is in heaven. So he ends up becoming a life-giving breath on the earth as it is in heaven. And that says man became a living being, a living being, not a dead being. You can be dead and be a being because, because if you're not in the spirit or you don't, don't have the spirit of God, you're dead because sin causes us to enter into deadness or death. Sin causes death. Death is not just a, a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a mental thing. It's an emotional thing. How many of you guys out there have gotten into the flesh where you're either argumentative or you're, you're coveting your neighbor or uh, outburst of wrath? You name it. There's all kinds of Galatians 5 you can read, but all of that is death or dead. So you can be the walking dead for the rest of your life if you want to live in the flesh. But at this point, man goes from flesh to life. Isn't that amazing? At one point, he's dust, which is the things of this world, the earthy things of this world. And when God shows up, he breathes into him the ruah of God, and he breathes life into him, and he goes from being dust or you can say, see it now prophetically, he goes from being fleshly to being spirit, to a living being, all right? And that's what God has done to us. But that's the same mandate 
that he has not only for your own life to give yourself, but he has that mandate to give to, to others. And if you want to buy the enemy, this is the way to do it because you'll turn dust from dust to life. So you see, that's what you, you see that the serpent's curse was to eat the dust of the ground. It means those people that are in the place of dust, those people that are in that earthly place, the enemy can eat all day long. But if he changes you from spirit, from dust to spirit, then he has nothing to eat. He goes on, has to go on a fast and he has to go find some other uh, dusty ground uh, to eat off on. That's why it's very important. Now, just like he sent his son to breathe the rule of God in man and change him from the dust of the ground, which is that curse from the beginning that where Satan eats from, he, he brought his son to change man from dust to actually a life-giving being again, a living being, all right? A spiritual being, even more like him. Now we have the Holy Ghost in us. We have a double portion. You've got Jesus's life and his spirit living in you. Isn't that amazing? So, and you can look in John 20, you see thousands of years later, this same thing happens again. He walks with man in, in this place of the earth and he takes him again at the end of his life when it's time for him to leave the earth, it's time for him to go. Same thing in the place of, uh, from the garden of God, uh, from Genesis in the beginning. Jesus takes, takes these disciples. He appears to them as he is in this resurrection form. In John 20, verse 21, it says, and so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Okay, so what there, he's saying there is that all this stuff that you've watched me do, you're like me. As the Father sent me now, I'm sending you. You've been around me long enough to know now the type of nature of who you are because I've reflected it to you. Now you're at that place to where I can send you because now you are like me. All right? Isn't that wonderful? And so he says, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. Here we go. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you, and then he says, if you forgive sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. He's basically saying, hey, now you have become like me in the heavens, except now on the earth. I've given you this type of heart. All right. He's, he's now giving them the very nature that lived within himself. And that's exactly what God did in the beginning. He gave man the very nature that was within himself, the spirit of God. And it woke man up from his dusty ground, which is in here, your old dusty ground. Now to walk this earth, being fruitful, multiplying, subduing the earth and taking dominion. All right. And that happens with everybody. 
as soon as God, now watch this, now watch the parallels of this, because it, it happened to Jesus. Let's take Jesus. He comes down, the Spirit of God becomes like man, and then the serpent tries to go after him as soon as he's born, and then the serpent tries to go after him right after he has this big crescendo where the Spirit of God now comes upon him at the Jordan. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And what happens is right after that, the serpent then comes to him to try to get him out of that, of being a life-giving being or a living being. He wants to make him dead. So he tempts him and he tempts him in the, in the wilderness for 40 days, right? He becomes hungry. Everybody knows this. And then all this stuff starts happening to him. Then it says the devil left him or Satan left him for an opportune time. And you can see in scripture, there was several temptations to where he could have become dust again, to where the serpent could eat from him. But he would overcome them by him being obedient to the spirit, even to the point of death. Same thing that happens to us. Jesus will come into our life. He will breathe into our life. We become this literal, have you ever had this aha moment and your mind is totally consumed with God and right after you've been consumed with God and you're on cloud nine, the enemy comes to tempt you with whether to try to tempt you with getting having strife come in your life or whether he tempts you to have perversion or whether he tempts you to get angry, uh, you name it, depressed or has people come into your, I have this all the time. As soon as about God's about to speak, there's turmoil that starts just swirling around me. So that it tempts me to become dust instead of stay in that place of a life-giving being with God. If I can stay in the spirit, I've become a life-giving being. But if I choose to look at those things that are around me, instead of those things that are above, then I will find my mind getting into a place of dust. And then the enemy comes in, he's able to eat, just eat up my life. How many times you've seen the enemy eat up your life when you've given in to the, those very temptations in your life, after you had an aha, aha moment, after you've had a revelation from the Lord, you're reading the Bible and then suddenly, Oh my God, then after you get out of there, whatever your secret place is, or you may be at the, you may be at uh, work and God come and just reveal to you something wonderful. And then right after that, something in your life comes to tempt you to get out of that life-giving mindset. Happens all the time. It's because the enemy is so intimidated for us to be, give, to be, to be a life-giving being not a life-taking being. He wants you to be a life-taking being. He wants that to be your foundation. When you look at somebody, judge them real quickly. You know, that's a life-taking being. You can't give life by looking at someone negative. It's just, it's, you, you can't do it. You can fake it. But can you imagine if you were a life-giving being? You, re, you forgive sins. You're walking in that forgiveness constantly. You're looking at people completely different because of the way God looks at them. It changed the world because what would happen is we would become love. And when love starts to take over, then you can't help 
but give love at the point of where you're supposed to give hate or you're supposed to give major judgment. Are you with me? And Jesus did this. So he's not saying something that they don't know. They, they, all of this revelation is hitting them. He, let's read it again. It says, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. The people, the, these guys are understanding exactly what he's saying. They're hearing more than what they're hearing more than just this statement. Now it's our turn because we become like him. Because we've been around him so long, we know his movement. We can walk in this because we've watched him walk and it's gotten on us. And see, that's the very thing that he did for them is that he, he was constantly around them so that they could take on the mark of God instead of the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is the things of this world, the, the flesh, the spirit of the flesh. It's, it's, it's the number of man, 666. It's the, it's, it's the flesh number in overdrive. And we're coming, you can see that the, the mark of the beast is even getting louder. The nature of the beast is getting louder in the mind of man, but it's, it's, it's actually done. The enemy doesn't realize this, but he's, he's setting it up for the glorious sons and daughters to actually appear because the darker it gets, the greater the, the at, at, at the point of when the sun is about to come up, there's a new day dawning. It, and that is the darkest time in that season. But then the sun starts to rise right after the darkest time. But it's not about Jesus coming. It's about Jesus coming in us. That the son of God is going to rise up. That's you and I in the darkest time. Because we're going to realize that our mind is going to be set in a place to where when it's dark, that's, that's the time where God wants to shine. God doesn't want to just shine in light. He waits to the darkest time. And then when it's dark, then the sun comes up and everybody knows it's the sun because you've recognized the darkness. You know what darkness is and everybody knows what darkness is. I mean, you, you can look at it either on the media. You can look at it. Even, you can look at it even in the Christian world. You can look at it in the Muslim world. You can look at it in all these different religions and different places. It's gotten so dark, but when the real true son of God starts to rise in, in man, mankind, Everybody's going to know, oh my gosh, that's the Lord. That's the spirit. There'll be some that will come out of the darkness into his light. Then there will some that will love darkness and choose not to come out. And that's okay. You got to keep going. All right. Then this next stage of the, the spirit, this is the one I wanted to get to. The spirit of God, after he created man, from dust of the ground to a life-giving being or a living being we talked about. Then he planted, you might want to underline this or write it down. He planted a wonderful place for man. He planted a wonderful place for man that came from dust. He planted a wonderful place for man that came from dust. So, isn't that strange? He was already thinking about 
putting him in a place that he's already created called the garden. And he took him from dust to a living being and then put him in a place that he created. It was God's place before he gave it to man. But when God gives it to man, he doesn't take it back. He's not an Indian giver. That's why Jesus says it was the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And he does that same thing with you. He just does that same thing with you. And he did it with when he showed up in the form of flesh in this in, in uh, Jesus Christ. All right. He took takes man all those three and a half years, not not just counting his disciples, but many people. I mean, there would be you you couldn't contain the books that he did. But the basis of what he did was he first breathed the ruah of God in man as he walked through his life. And then he gave men the kingdom of God, which bound Satan in their life. Isn't that wonderful? So he was constantly walking around, giving man his place that he created. Isn't that awesome? God came to give us literally in the flesh back the garden of God which is the kingdom of God. That's amazing. Let, let's watch this. And you can tell, I mean, the spirit didn't, wasn't thinking of himself. He, he created everything, stars, earth, uh, creatures, you name it. And, and he planted, then after he woke up man from the dust, he plants him in a garden and wakes him up. And my God, he's in a, perfect, beautiful world. He did the same thing with Jesus. He puts him in, a, he, he came in the form of man, uh, woke him up from the dust of the ground and gave him the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not just a physical place. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. It's faith, hope, and love. He went from dust, which is flesh, hatred, outburst of anger, wrath, covetousness, into righteousness, peace, and joy, and faith, hope, and love. So he woke up to something where his mind and his consciousness was completely different. Because you got to see here, watch this. It says, and the Lord planted a garden in Genesis 2, uh, verse 8. The Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that was pleasant uh, to, to the sight and good for food. <clears throat> and the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So <clears throat> he plants him in a garden that he created. And in the midst of it was the tree of life and, in the, and, and also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Same thing spiritually. He awakens yourself. He awakens you to this wonderful place called Jesus Christ. And now the tree of life is the center of your garden within. But there's also another garden. There's another place in there where there, there's a tree, where there's a place where there's a knowledge of good and evil. And then you have the knowledge of, or you have the tree of life. So you can either... You can either choose, you can either choose life or you can choose death. 
Isn't that amazing? And he's told them, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that place. Eat of me. That was basically it. You follow him. And if you follow him, you'll constantly eat from the tree of life, which is Jesus Christ. He is that tree. He is the tree of life. So we've got to, instead of eating from knowledge, we've got to eat from the person. That's why he said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. In other words, I am that tree. Eat of the person, not of knowledge. Don't go after knowledge. Go after the person. Isn't that amazing? It's a fine line here. And if you stay eating from the tree of life, you will constantly grow into, into that place of having the same nature as he's having. You'll be a life-giving being. But if you start eating, start having that trick of gaining all this knowledge that the world uh, that the, the world gives you and says, man, if you'll just keep studying, if you'll just keep getting more knowledge, you'll be like God. In other words, you, you'll massage the mind. You will awaken the mind. Well, what happens is the more, if you seek knowledge instead of the person, it's a trick. It will, you will find yourself in torment. It basically starts directing you to yourself and it puts you in this place of fear. Because thinking that, uh, that knowing good and evil, the, the very thought of thinking that no, no, you've got to know good and evil in order to give a real baseline of judgment, that's not true. That's the very trick of the enemy. No, in order to give a true judgment, you've got to know the person. Then you give a righteous judgment. If you're going to judge, you must judge righteously, he says. And in order to judge righteously, you've got to know the person. And then the type of judgment that you give is the same type of judgment he came on the earth with. He, he gave life and he gave love. If you ever want to truly judge is you've got to give life and love in the midst of darkness. That's a righteous judgment. It's a lot. That's the way Jesus did it. He could have, he could have agreed with the, the, the stone sayers the Pharisees that drug that woman into the uh, uh, in the midst of that temple, and that she they said that we caught her in the very act, and he, they quote all this stuff out of the, the law of Moses, and then they say, "What did you say? What do you say? What do you say?" No words. Give us your judgment. So they give him all this knowledge that has been set up on this earth, and he stoops down and he seeks the person. And when he seeks the person, he gives a righteous judgment so that everyone is saved. He spoke life in the midst of death, which bound the enemy so that everyone could have a chance to actually go back to that place of living life again and being a life-giving being. It's a lot, guys. Now watch this in John, 4, John 14. Now he comes in that place, Jesus... You can see that the Spirit of God makes man from dust. Then he wakes him up into the kingdom or makes wakes him up into a garden that, that he prepared for him, okay? And you see Jesus coming later on, thousands of years later, and he does the very same thing he did in the beginning. 
And there's where, here it is in John 14, two through four. It says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Isn't that strange? He did the exact same thing as the spirit. So the spirit's talking. In other words, he's basically telling us, hey, I've been doing this from the beginning. I've always made a place for you because I love you. I made a place for you from the beginning and I'm trying to tell you, tell you that I've never changed. I always go and make a place for you in the end. In other words, the spirit is not changed. So that spirit of God that lived in Christ Jesus and came in the form of flesh now lives in you. So that spirit in you, the spirit of God has not changed. And the very one of the very natures of his spirit, which was in Christ Jesus, was to prepare places for people. Not to take places from people. So the very things that we create in our life through the spirit are for mankind. If they ask for your tunic, give it to them. Because that tunic was given to you to give others. That's that authority, that anointing, all of that was given to you to walk out yourself, to make a place for someone else so that you can give it to someone else. That's what Jesus did. So he's saying, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to, my, uh, to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. God's not going to put you in a place that he's not been in or prepared. And I think that's the same kind of nature that we should have. I think we should be forerunners of the spirit of God, walking with him, just as Jesus did. And with, through the spirit, we're making places, not for us, and building kingdoms for us, we're, but we're building kingdoms through the spirit of God for the people that come in our life. That's love. Are you with me? So basically saying, hey, I'm going to go make a garden for you. In other words, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, a garden, a kingdom. That's, and that kingdom is set up of the same spirit that I've been showing you. Righteousness, peace, and joy, faith, hope, and love. And all of that is for you. And wherever I am, you shall be also. In other words, if you stay in this place of Jesus Christ, you're going to be where he is. Not only physically in a dimension, but even in your own mind, you're going to be in that type of mindset. So, because wherever he is, you're going to be also. And ever what mindset he is in, you're going to be also. But we've got to start learning to walk in that same mind that was in Christ Jesus. And the only way we can learn how to walk in that same mind is to learn of him. That's why he said, learn of me. Because he's the reflection of everything. He's the reflection of your hidden life. 
that's been hidden in, in that earthen vessel, even inside of you. And if you continue to walk in that garden of God, in the kingdom of God, being led by the spirit of God, you in the spirit will put an ax to the root of the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil, even in you. And then the spirit of God, or I mean the, the enemy of this world, or the spirit of this world, will not have anything to eat. All right? That makes sense. So, here we go. Genesis 2, 8 through 9. And I titled this, The Spirit Gave Man What He Created. The Spirit Gave Man What He Created. Does He do that with you? Do you see the Spirit of God keeping things from you? Or do you see the Spirit of God... He's like a river. We've talked about this two years ago, that he is the river of God. He's always giving out. He's creating things, and it's flooding this earthen vessel. Where it's, at one point, there won't be a wilderness. It'll just be nothing but rivers of living water flowing through my wilderness. And I'll be a river before you know it. And my mindset will be to give life or to give a place to others. Let's look at Genesis 2, 8 through 9. I'm going to read it again. The Lord God planted a garden east of Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, whom he had formed, and out of the ground of the Lord, out of the ground, the Lord uh, God made every tree grow that is pleasant in the sight and good for food. And the tree of life that was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now we got to understand this. This is one other, one thing I've, I've got to show you before we end here. When the spirit or when God starts moving within our life, it's the spirit preparing us within, okay, to place us in a garden of God. In other words, when the spirit of God starts dealing with your strongholds, it, now, we may manifest negatively, or we may manifest things that are not that good, but as he's breathing life in you, it's binding the enemy, and he's preparing a place within you. So when he's breathing into your dusty old mind, it's breaking down those things that have controlled you. That's why you manifest. But if you look that God, if you'll see it as God breathing on you, you will actually start giving him glory while all those strongholds are manifesting and then it will place you into a kingdom that he has prepared for you. He'll put you back in the garden. Remember, the Spirit of God prepared man out of the dust of the ground. He still does. And then he starts breathing in him and it goes from dust to a life-giving being or a living being. And then he wakes up into a whole new world. Same thing with us. When the spirit of God starts moving in your dust and there's dust flying everywhere because he's breathing in you, know that you are now being transformed from darkness to light and you're about to awaken into a whole new revelation of Jesus, a whole new revelation of the kingdom of God. And you're gonna awaken into a place that he's already prepared for you. 
You haven't been able to see that part of God because there's been a stronghold in you that's kept you from seeing it. Okay? You've been in certain areas, there's been a dust area in your life. And so when he starts breathing, the dust starts swirling. Of course it's going to swirl. Of course it's going to manifest. When you blow on dust, what is it? Does it just sit there? No, it blows up and it's, you see all these particles just scattered everywhere. Don't you sometimes feel like when God starts moving in your life, your dust gets stirred up. And then you get caught up in looking at all your dust instead of looking at your life as, oh my goodness, he's breathing in me. He's breathing in my nostrils. And he's changing me. And after this is all over, there is joy on the other side. There is wonderful things on the other side. So I'm going to hang on to that. And I'm going to put my hope on the uh, and my joy that's on the other side. Same thing with Jesus. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. That's the same thing that happens to us. When you're going through a deathly moment, it's God breathing his, his breath in you. Because he's about to bring you into wondrous joys that's on the other side. He's about to put you in the garden that he's prepared for you. And that's the same way we've got to, that's the same way we've got to look at people that God sends in our life. When they start manifesting in our life, it's the spirit of God that's in us that's causing it to manifest. But we've got to understand that so that we can see, we can get excited when they're manifesting in front of us or at us, whatever it may be. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because we know God is moving in their life because God has placed us in their life. And if we can see that they're manifesting because of the spirit of God that's on our life and not get caught up in the ridiculous manifestation, but actually get stirred up going, oh man, this is going to be good. We could actually say, hey, the reason you're angry is because of this. God's about to set you in a place that's brand new. The reason you're mad at me is because the spirit of God is moving in your life. I'm only the representation of that hope and joy and life that, I, that the spirit of God is trying to press in on your life. You're mad at me because God is moving in your life and he's taking you out of darkness into light. There's no telling me times I've done that. But if I look at them through the mind of the flesh, then I'm going to end up being threatened by them and I'm going to bind something real quickly or shut them down. It'll never work. I'll never wake that person up. They'll never be able to see their place that is wonderful. Are you with me? How many times did God give life where in this Bible where he should have destroyed them? Look at Jesus's life. It's amazing. At the point that he should have judged, you know, harshly like we do, he gave life, which is the judgment. Isn't that amazing? Let me read this one more time. We'll go. When God starts moving within our life, it's the spirit preparing us within to place us in a garden of God he has prepared for us. And we've got to have that same mentality as we do when we see people, other people manifesting. 
As he's doing to us, we've got to understand it. As he works in us, and then as he, we take that understanding, we will look at other people that start manifesting, and we will understand that the Spirit of God is actually moving. It's not devils. Devils are only scattering and manifesting because God's in the room. And it could be on us. And then, of course, I said this, you know, Jesus did the same thing with his dusty friends that he chose. Think about that. Jesus did the same thing with his dusty friends that he chose. And look at us. We're his dusty friends. The first ones he cleans up is us by breathing life into us. And then as he's breathing life, it gives us the same nature to what? Be fruitful, not deathly, be fruitful to multiply, subdue the earth, and take dominion. It didn't, it didn't say destroy man. It says be fruitful, multiply. In other words, multiply what I've given you. Flourish with it. You can multiply this of what I've given you. It's your nature. It's your nature to give the Spirit of God as I've given it to you. The same way I've treated you, treat them the same way. When you see dusty people, breathe life into them. And that same life, that same nature will get on them to want to be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, and take dominion. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's the Spirit of God that's inside of you. That's the same spirit that was from the beginning, and that's the same spirit that was in the end to show us who, he, who he's like in the flesh, which was Jesus. Jesus is the physical persona, the physical representation of God. He is God. He has become one with God. You can see him saying that in the garden, that they are one. He knew it. Because he had walked out those three and a half years of total death to himself for our sake. And he made man one again. He made the flesh one again with the spirit. And the spirit now is in the flesh. And the flesh is now in the spirit. And the flesh, physical flesh is now God again. It's holy as he is holy. Isn't that awesome? And that's where, that's where God is taking us. Those that want to obey, those that want to eat from his tree instead of the old tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's you and I. This is a lot. I hope you uh, are getting it. I hope you're getting it by the spirit. Uh, you might have to rewind this thing a couple of times and, and, and watch it or listen to it because there's so much that we've talked about today. All right. I hope this helps. Uh, it's the basis of this whole thing is to follow a person, to eat a, from a person. Don't go searching for knowledge. Go search for the master of knowledge, the knowledge of himself, Jesus Christ. Look for the person. Don't look for answers. Look for a person. If you find the person, you'll find the answers. But if you look for answers first, the wisdom of this world will give them to you. 
that you'll find yourself lost because that's the root of it. You'll find yourself lost again. And uh, you don't want to do that because then you'll try to find more knowledge to cover yourself, and then more knowledge to cover yourself, and then more knowledge. And it never ends. It's like you, you're constantly trying to sow in these different fig leaves to cover or to find your identity, you know, and it never works. Find the person. Throw out, throw down all of those fig leaves you've sown through all the knowledge that you've uh, acquired and go back to the foundation the cornerstone of all life and find the person. And then you'll start understanding how this stuff really works. If the spirit of God did it in the beginning and then he did it and he came and showed us in the end how man truly was and who is and who will be through Jesus Christ, we better get back to it. All right. Well, we'll continue on. And this thing, I know this is a lot of deep stuff, but we're going to, we're going to keep plowing. I love you guys. Let me pray for you before you go. Lord, I just, I just ask for the spirit of wisdom and understanding of the knowledge of Jesus Christ to come upon those that are viewing. We love you, Lord. Spirit of God, I just want to thank you for being who you are throughout the whole Bible. You have reflected yourself enough. How can we not believe? You followed the, the people. You were with the people even in the beginning. You were with man in the beginning. You followed him through the wilderness, through a cloud and, and through a, a pillar of smoke. And they followed you. And then you sent uh, Jesus thousands of years later so that we could not only have you to follow, but you could be in us now. That same pillar that they followed of fire and smoke or cloud is now in us through Jesus Christ. Help us. We ask for your help to guide us in truth and to make us the same nature as you made your son Jesus. Life-giving that we would, you, have, you would send us into this world to give life, not to condemn it. To save life, not to destroy it. Give us that same nature. Give us the same mindset to where every person that we come in contact with will have a thought of life for them instead of a thought that's judgment and judgmental and deathly. It sounds so unreal, Lord, but we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. With men, it's impossible in this area, but with God, all things are possible. And Lord, I ask for that type of strength to awaken in everybody watching. Bless those that are watching or heal those that are watching. Heal their minds, restore their minds, awaken them from their dust and put them in their place that you've prepared for them. I ask that, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. We love you guys. Bless you. Have a great day.